everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Premier League podcast here on FanRag Sports. My name is Sebastian Noren. With me is Polly Quistel from New York. And then, uh, Elliot, where are you at now? I'm in San Francisco. Well, San Anselmo, North Bay. I'm kind of circling around the Bay for the week. Okay, there we go. North Bay. Hmm. Yep. I yeah. don't know. Although I, wa- I watched the U.S. men's national team's last match in the East Bay with the American Outlaws of Oakland, which was not quite as, as rowdy as I'd anticipated. There you go, East Bay. That's where it's <laughs> Maybe at. hoped for. That's where it's at. That's where my wife is from originally. So, um, Oh, really? Yep. Let's get into it, though. Gold Cup, well underway. We've had the first couple of games here. And uh, kicking things off in Group A, we had Canada beating French Guiana 4-2. Two Two goals by 16-year-old Alfonso Davis. The hype is live and well here for the Vancouver Whitecaps forward. Uh, Pauly, I know that you said you were mostly going to focus your attention on the U.S. games, of course. But did you happen to catch... Davis's goals. I saw the the last one yeah. when I when I heard that French, uh, whatever their name is, yeah. the, the not real country, who almost got away with stealing Florent Maluda from France. Um, <laughs> I when I heard that they made it three two, I turned the game on, and then it was pretty boring. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like he's. You know, an interesting prospect. Uh, turned 17 later on this year. Um, born in November. And, I mean, just the pace that he showed, especially on that first goal. Oof. I know it's against French, you know, Guyana. But still, it's uh, doing that at 16. I mean, that that's pretty cool. And a good win for, uh, for Canada. The one thing I think it's a little bit sad about this tournament is the fact that you have two out of the three third place teams go through. Wow. That's yeah. that's I mean, that, the only thing that you find yeah. sad? Well, I feel like <laughs> I that's a say, little bit One indicator yeah. of how this is generally a sad tournament might be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's also there's also two teams that aren't FIFA nations in the tournament. True. Uh, every Gold Cup is every Gold Cup is um, is is like that. 12 teams um and they go straight to a quarterfinal, which is ridiculous because nobody – the group stage is so irrelevant, especially because Mexico, the United States, and Costa Rica, who are all automatically in different groups, don't even get tested um, usually, when, usually when they bring their A squads. Yeah. When they bring their A squads, they don't usually get tested, and they kind of just roll through the group stage. Uh, let's, let's just – so there's that. And the reason that it's there – the reason that it's there is because, well, we have two teams that aren't FIFA nations – so that's literally a just how much CONCACAF has to scrape the barrel just to get 12 teams, let alone 16. 16 teams would be a joke um, if you wanted to go to that, to that. But the tournament, again, you have to go to a quarterfinal because the quarterfinal means more games. And the reason that the tournament is hosted, is played, is to make money. How do I know that? Because all the games this year in the, in the group stage, because the tournament is so uninteresting, they're all doubleheaders. So it's just we're playing both games in the same stadium because that's the only chance that we could 
that we could sell tickets to Martinique and Nicaragua and French Guiana. And to top it all off, where did Mexico just play like their first game? San Diego, which is like pretty much in Mexico and is a home game for Mexico. I don't know where their next two games are, but I'm going to go with probably in very Mexican populated areas to try to make them the second home team of the tournament and to make sure that we sell stadiums out. Denver and San Antonio. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe that that's the saddest part of the tournament. Yeah, although to be fair, definitely. I mean, I'm not defending the Gold Cup as the gold standard of international football by any means, but to play devil's advocate a little bit, the first ever U.S. men's national team game that I attended was a Gold Cup group stage match between the U.S. and Jamaica, and after that, the Nicaragua-Panama matchup definitely had more fans at RFK Stadium than the U.S. can Jamaica game. When was this? What year? Uh, it was. It was one of the you know want to go to go to the tournament to rule them all, the Confederations Cup. Uh, yeah, this was this would have been 2010, I think. No, 2011. 2000. Oh, all right. Well, the, the team was pretty popular by then, but yeah, no, it was. It was just RFK is a huge stadium, but it's, and it's, DC it's has a, a huge stadium, Panamanian and... population. <laughs> It's the group stage, and like I described it last year, you know, uh, or last week, even two Gold Cups ago, when it did matter, uh, and you had your best team on the field, again, you're you're coming off the World Cup where every goal is like a big celebration amongst everybody that you're watching the game with, and then you go to the Gold Cup, and it's like, we scored a goal, and you're just like, yeah, well, that's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's true. Uh, before we get to the U.S. game against Panama, let's say that... Costa Rica defeated Honduras 1-0. Uh, Marco Reña with the lone goal in that one. And, um, yeah, Costa Rica and Canada meet up tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, while Honduras take on French Guiana. Both those games are in Houston. So over to Group B, where the United States had to settle for a 1-1 draw with Panama. Uh, Dom Dwyer scored again. Making him the, what, ninth player in U.S. history to score in his two first game. Um, but, yeah, had to settle for one point. Uh, Dwyer's goal came in the 50th minute, and then Miguel Camargo uh, tied things up 10 minutes later. And, I mean, Panama had some pretty good chances in this game. They could have won this. They had a ton of good chances. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, it was frustrating because... You know, it was frustrating that the U.S. dropped points in this, but you really can't say that the U.S. deserved to win. I mean, their defending was not good. And, I mean, I still, I have to, you know, eat my pride a little to say that Guzan had a really good game in, in goal. And, you know, I'm, I've am i been a critic of him on this show in the past. Let's be real. I'll be a critic of him on this show again in the future, most likely. But, like, he, he had a fantastic game, and you cannot point the finger at he has good games. It's right, but it was the first day of a group stage game. Like, what? How is he doing the semifinals? That that's on him. That's when you know the the glaring mistakes come. Yeah, and the yeah, fact but, that he's been in, you know in the Premier League uh, where he should not be. You know, he's not yeah. a Premier League caliber goalkeeper. I mean, he's a Concacaf caliber goalkeeper. It's, <laughs> it's look. Look, if Brad Guzan was the best goalie that the United States had, none of us would have a problem with him. 
Yes, I agree. That with that. he's good enough that we wouldn't have a problem with him. Uh, the problem, the problem that we have with him is that he keeps finding himself in in these important games, and he's not the best goalie that we have. And yes, for like you could say, well, Tim Howard's old. I don't care. Tim Howard's still better than him. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as goalkeepers go, I don't really care too much about how old they are. We've seen plenty of yeah, I mean, plenty of older goalkeepers do right. really well. I mean, Buffon and Czech. Yeah. Or Edwin Vandersar, for that matter. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. I do think that Howard will play in the World Cup, and then he'll probably retire from the national team. Yeah, I mean, that's. I guess that's why, I mean, just speaking from a squad selection perspective, I don't really care. I don't need to see Tim Howard playing in the Gold Cup. I want to see Brad Guzan do well. We don't even have to see Brad Guzan then. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a fair point, but I think that probably his selection is more, you know, Bruce Arena saying, "How do you feel about playing time? You know, do you want to be the guaranteed number one in this tournament?" And him saying, "Of course I do," because I mean, he knows that for the World Cup qualifiers we have left, and you know, God and Team Willing, the World Cup itself, he is not going to be the number one selection but, unless but like, Howard why? gets injured. Why is Guzan the guy? Like, look, in 2013, I understood it. Like, 2013, he was more in the prime of his career. Howard was old. Uh, Howard was was getting old. You knew Howard was going to be the guy in 2014. So it's, let's give Guzan this tournament. Uh, Howard was still playing for Everton back then. Let's give Guzan this tournament. And then, you know, just in case, if if Howard ever does get hurt, uh, we have Guzan available. And who knows what Howard's going to want to do after 2014. We may need Brad Guzan for the next five years. Right? We, I, I think that's still true, though. I, no, I, we have I so think many other goalkeepers true. in the pipeline that it's in the pipeline that at a certain point, because look, after in 2019, Howard will be old and he'll be done. So that's that's no question there. Yeah. Brad Guzan's going to be old, too. Yeah, but he'll and still be younger then than Howard is now. I understand that, but by then, you'll be at the point, and your young goalkeepers, the young goalkeepers that we have will be at the age that Tim Howard was at when he was ready to take over. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, why not let them play? Yeah. And I mean, the, th- the thing is too, that at that point you'll have Guzan having played, you know, two years of MLS. Whereas some of the, I mean, I'm looking at Ethan Horvat and just hoping that he can break through and play well in Europe and get actually get an actual shot, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the issue the issue is, is like you look at the other goalkeepers on the team and it's like it's David Bingham and it's just the other MLS guy. So, yeah, like I, I feel like I would feel this way. I understand why Horvath isn't there. And yeah. I would feel this way about any of them starting. I'd be like, yeah, who cares? But it would be nice to, you know, get a young guy in so that in two years when you go to him, it's like, well, the guy has some experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I I think that bleeding bleeding the young guns is also to mix metaphors a little bit is also a good use for the gold cup. But I'm I don't know. I'm I'm not going to go to the mattresses over whether Guzan should or shouldn't be at this tournament. He had a great game between the sticks. I I think that we got to focus more on. It's not like he hasn't. There, there were so recently. many chances, but like he he had to cover himself in glory because the U.S. allowed a decent but not overwhelming Panama team to kind of overwhelm them at many mm-hmm. points. Yeah, I think that, you know, and we were talking about that last episode that, you know, Villafania needed games, right, Polly? He needed yes. games. He needed games. And 
he I think this is a good tournament for him to get those games and be able to make some mistakes because he he had a pretty poor game. But but you're allowed to. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has. You know what? Like we're America. We're we're not we're not Germany or Spain or France where it's if you know if you have a terrible game there's there's literally someone that's just as good as you if not better than you waiting to take your place you know uh you you need to be able to make mistakes yeah. you need to be able to do that and go back out there the next day and know that you know this is still my place in the team that yeah I still have to earn it but right now the coach is giving me that chance to earn it and not and and that allows you to play loose because then you say well, I can make a mistake because I'm not going to ride the bench if I make one mistake. If you if you play that way, then you're then you lost already. So, yeah, let him make his mistakes. It's the Gold Cup, you know. Who cares? Club football is back <laughs> next week. Like next week, I'm going to be watching club football again. Like, and the Gold Cup is still going to be going on. And it's going to be an afterthought. Like, literally, no pressure. Keep playing him. This is exactly what you need for a guy like Vilsanya. So next game for the U.S. is on Wednesday. They take on Martinique, and they defeated Nicaragua with two, two nothing. I was a little bit surprised to see them uh, win in such a nice fashion. There, I know Nicaragua had a good amount of chances in that this game as well, but Martinique really—I mean, they played well. I don't think that they're gonna have a shot at beating the U.S., but. It's nice to see them have a have a good game. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It, let's hope that they don't have a shot at beating the U.S., but we'll see. <laughs> I did. Oh, who was it? Well, I mean, on paper, Panama uh, is the toughest game in the group. Yeah, but I, I'm just. That's. I mean, that's that's absolutely accurate. But I just, I'm, I'm deeply concerned by the. Well, okay, again with the Gold Cup grain of salt because. You know, this team is not the first 11, but it wasn't just Viafania, like Bessler and Gonzalez. The whole team, and also, the whole I thought, team yeah. stunk. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God. Well, and Beasler cost... and Gonzalez, Beasler and Gonzalez played in the World Cup. Like, they should be better yeah. than that. Yeah. Um, and that was the I thing, mean, too. I mean, why start those two? We were talking about Matt Miazga. This is a perfect time yeah. to give him games, too. So I hope that he gets this, you know, a place here in starting 11 against Martinique yeah. or Nicaragua. I mean, he's he really has to because who was it? Okay, no, it was it was Stu Holden who I like a lot, and I'm starting to not because he's starting to say some ridiculous things, which might just be because Fox is making him say ridiculous things. Here's your script, Stu. I wouldn't put that past him, but I will I will still like him always because he's not Brad Friedel. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he during this game was talking was saying things like, you know what, like, all right, they're coming out and they're playing this way, like, right now against Panama, and it's not the end of the world. He goes, it would be the end of the world, like, if they, you know, if they play this way against Martinique. And it's like, no, like, how could you say that? Like, if we play this way, if we played the way against, that we played against Panama, if we play that way against Martinique, we win 4-0. Like, maybe 4-1. <laughs> yeah, but, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Like, yeah. you know, like, so, uh, you and, oh, if we win 8-0, then, like you know, if we go out there and we just and we slam uh, we slam the door on them and win eight nil, then it's like, well, it's Martinique. You know, that's what you should do. So, like, I'm sorry, like, you yeah. can't say. I mean, we should. No, this isn't a bad thing. And as long as they turn it around against Martinique, it's we'd have to play so bad to lose to Martinique at home. I yeah. mean, you have to you have to say that the U.S. did at least create a lot of chances in this match, but mm-hmm. they they allowed as many as they created. So yes, 
We could put a team together of NCAA All-Stars that could beat Martinique. <laughs> they might need some creative playmakers, but I think that the combination of athleticism and skill, you might be able to pull that. Mm. Usain, Usain Bolt wanted to play soccer. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that the thing is too, though, I think it's good for this game that Martinique actually did have a good showing in the first game. Their confidence is going to be way up there. And I, I don't think it's going to be I, – I think it's going to be a win. It's probably going to be a convincing win too. But I don't think it's going to be that, you know, tennis numbers, you know, 6 nothing, 6-1, six, 6-2. Six, um, but, I yeah, we might see a 3 nothing. That wouldn't shock me at all. So, but it's uh, – it will be an interesting game. And it's, you know, the 1-1 against Panama does put a little bit of pressure on the U.S., uh, Panama to take on Nicaragua. Get out of here, dude. I mean, it Why does. Yeah, they should I mean, win this a, group handily. From a mathematical perspective, it does. They should win. We this should group. win the group handily, but like either way, like if we got anything less than seven points right now, I'd be shocked. Yeah, but it. But no, I think I, I think you're both right, right? Like Paulie, I, I agree that we should be able to cruise through the last two games in this group stage. Mm-hmm. And if the fixture lineup was reversed, then you know we'd be cruising into the toughest fixture with six points. And you'd say, eh, if we get a point, that's a win. And then we got a point, and that's a win. But Someone at the same did... time, like we could, you never know. Someone did point out how like everybody was being like, "Oh, this is the Gold Cup, and no one cares," and like it's a, whatever. Like, okay, we lost. Like, we didn't get a win. Who cares? It's just the Gold Cup. And they're like, it's funny how two years ago it was like, "Oh, we didn't win this. We we drew against Panama in the group stage of the Gold Cup," and it was like, "We better fire Quinsman." Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny how how these things seem to change. Oh yeah. Well, and the well, thing but is, also, I mean. You know, last year's was a more competitive tournament. Nobody would argue with that. It's still Pan- – like, first of all, Panama has been one of, like, the biggest thorns on our side, especially in the Gold Cup. We've, we've lost, like, one group stage game since, like, 1991. It was Panama. You know, they pushed us to the brink in the finals uh, twice. Uh, they beat us in the third-place game last year. Um, and, uh, we just drew with them in, in, uh, in World Cup qualifying. Uh, four years ago in World Cup qualifying, I mean, people expected us to go to Panama and, like, get a win this time because we did it last time. And I was like, no, you forget that, you know, that Panama game, we were losing until the 90th minute. And then once we tied the game, Panama just gave up. And it was, like, the the weirdest winner you'll ever see when Aaron Johansson just, like, kicked the ball from 25 yards out and it just went in and nobody celebrated or anything. <laughs> yeah, how's good old Aaron doing these days? Is he still at AZ Alkmaar? No, he's in Germany now. He went to Bremen, yeah. and then the coach got fired, so he never played. And... Yeah, I know he had trouble trouble with injuries too. So, oh yeah, um, he's been injured since the World Cup. Yeah, looks like he is still at Bremen under contract, but not. I mean, obviously, he's not lighting the world on fire with desire for his signature. What are you talking about? Nine appearances, one goal in the league. Yeah, I will see. Hopefully, he can bounce back. He was a pretty talented striker at one point. Um, Group C, where we have reigning champions Mexico. They took a 3-1 win over El Salvador. Um, Pretty good start to this game. Uh, Edgardo Marin gave them the lead in the eighth minute. Then El Salvador came bouncing back two minutes later. Nelson Bonilla with the goal there. And then um, Elias Hernandez... 
gave Mexico the lead again at the half-hour mark, and then a goal by Orbelin Pineda in the 55th sort of sealed the deal there for Mexico, who's also come to the tournament with a, you know, truly a B squad. Um, I thought it was funny how Fox were so focused on... Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio and his, uh, you know, ban, six-game ban after blowing up against the fourth official in the uh, Confederations Cup. And he was having a beer before the game. They're like, oh, my God. It's like, so what? He's <laughs> he's banned. Why shouldn't he have a beer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he's drinking Gatorade. Therefore, he must be plotting to send tweets to get yep. in touch with the people on the sidelines. Yeah, I, just, exactly. I can't even watch Fox. I just can't even watch it anymore. I know. It's... I it's mean, such a joke. Yeah. Although, so, to be fair, Taylor Twellman is ESPN, and I, I think he is the worst of the worst, in my opinion. Oh, that's not true. Brad Friedel's the worst of the worst, and I really I don't mind Taylor Twellman. I, I do think ESPN overused him, especially last year at the Euros. Um, I don't mind him at all. Um, Fox is just... Oh, I don't gosh. know. I What's the name of that Craig guy? That's on ESPN uh, FC. Okay, wait. All right, wait, 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 wait. ESPN FC is a different story. That's their daily show, and that's like the bottom of the. Th- those are guys that would be on that that could work for Fox. They're that bad. They're that dumb. <laughs> when there's an actual, when there's an actual tournament going on, they call in the big guns like Bob Lee and uh, Mikel Balak and Ruben Nistelrooy and Roberto Martinez yeah. and uh, Casey Keller, Steve McManaman. Those guys were good. And when Alexi Lawless was there, like you, there was there was genuine chemistry. Like you could tell they liked being around each other, and that really helped the broadcast. Alexi Lawless sits there, like staring at at, at uh at, during the Champions League, he stares at Warren Barton, and mm-hmm. but all the time, he stares at Eric Winalda, and he just goes, "What the hell am I doing here? Like get out of my face! <laughs> You're an idiot." Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I mean they've done. Who's the uh, announcer guy? The Mexican one. Is he Mexican? Oh, my God. Uh, it's soccer time. Um. Yeah, that one is super annoying. Because even if it's like a grade, you know, C chance, he's like, oh! I'm like, dude, nothing's uh, he, happening. No, first of all, he nothing's goes, happening. He ready, set, fire on every free kick. And then he goes, oh, it just missed. And then they show you the replay. And it's like it was nine yards wide. Like the goalkeeper wasn't <laughs> troubled by it. Yeah. And... It like crossed the penalty spot and twelve like, yards in the air. Like, he's not the first Mexican announcer to do that. No, okay, no. so like maybe maybe that's the Mexican culture. Maybe that's how they broadcast games, and that's I, fine. Uh, that's fine. I think but, more likely is that he was signed on, being told. So this is kind of sort of the Mexican football announcing culture. We want you to be a mediocre but loud caricature of that. Yeah. You know what? You know what? ESPN. ESPN brought on Fernando Palomo uh, for the last Confederations Cup and World Cup. And in the Confederations Cup, he did a bunch of games. In the World Cup, he pretty much only did the Mexico games and, like, some odd games here and there. And he was, I'm not going to say equally annoying, but at the time, I was equally as outraged because he was so annoying. Uh, in hindsight, less annoying than uh, than this guy. And it, it, I, I just think that's the, the culture of how games are called in Mexico, which is fine. And, and you know what? If that's what the Mexican fans want, so be it. All, all, all the power to them. But American fans don't want that. And the Mexico fans that are going to want that want that and want to watch Mexico are going to watch it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. 
and they're going to get Andres Cantor, and they're and they're going to get the the broadcast that they want. But they're going to watch it in Spanish. They are not going to watch it in English. No, and I mean it's one thing having a you know announcer that's you know really involved in the game and everything, but when it's it almost seems forced when it's these. Well, you know, it's also also the problem is is that you're calling games off of a monitor. Mm. I mean, like, why are you spending so much money? for the rights to broadcast these games if you're not even going to put an announcer in the stadium. You know, they send John Strong and Stu Holden out to, to Russia. Everybody else is in L.A. And and now John Strong and Stu Holden, they're, they're going to follow the U.S. around. But everybody else is still in L.A. And I know that because Friday night when I watched the Canada game, I had one set of announcers. And then when the uh, – who played after that? Costa Rica? Yes. Yes. Costa Rica. When Costa Rica game came on, different set of announcers, and I was like, "Well, you didn't send four guys to to uh, to Red Bull Arena. You like no, like somehow you have you couldn't just send one team to Red Bull Arena and say you're going to call both games. Like, yeah, as, that's, like that's you know, odd. You know, like when when the NCAA tournament does four games in one day and one site, and they just say, "Hey, you two, you're you're up for all. <laughs> yep, you're up you're the doing, whole day. Yeah, exactly. You're doing all of them, and they're all satellites or satellite <laughs> broadcasted too. So, yeah, you end up listening to the same people talking for like eight hours straight. Right, but like it, it's just you lose so much of the, from the broadcast when you can't when the announcers aren't there, and the fans can tell, and it's, and that's why that's why this guy. This this guy, his ready set fire. Oh, it just missed. Yeah, because I see the same angle that you see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it did look close, but I wouldn't say it just missed. I it looked close, but I knew it wasn't close because I could watch the goalkeeper's reaction. And then when they when they show the uh, when they show the the replay, and then you see like, okay, that's ten that's ten yards wide. The biggest issue though is a long ball gets played in. You know, cross comes in, guy takes a header. All of a sudden, everybody stops, whistle blows. And it happened in the Confederations Cup, and it was, it was J.P. Telecamera. And he was just like, oh, oh, the whistle blew, and he had no idea why. And he was like, uh, this might have been offsides or anything. Like, And finally, you know, after, like, really late, they showed the ref with the flag up. Yeah. But the point is, he couldn't see that because we couldn't see that, and he's watching the exact same view as as I am. And when you watch a game, you know, when you watch a promo game and the announcers are there, sometimes you can't see the assistant referee. And, you know, the ball gets played in, the defenders stop, and the whistle hasn't blown yet, but the announcer's like, oh, the flag's up, flag's up. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it, I mean, it's too, it's a shame, though. I mean, especially when it's in the U.S., I don't. I feel like there's no real excuse yeah, not sending reason. people out. I understood out. Russia. I understood Russia. I was like, it's weird that you spent a lot of money on this, like, for the World Cup and everything, and you're not working out the log- you're working out the logistics of having one travel like one announced team go from place to place mm. but come russia you're going to need to do that for a lot of people and maybe you should try that i don't know if rupert murdoch he's got a lot of money like you should be able to spend it it's really weird when the tournament's in the united states and you can't even put the announcers in the in the stadium yeah yeah i mean it would be one thing if they were you know because i know some countries they just buy into a feed basically so you would get you know, they could buy into the English feed and then you get the announcer from the BBC or whatever, whoever's broadcasting that, or if it's ESPN England, I don't know. Um, but yeah, not sending out people when it's in your own country, that that's sort of weird. No, wait, the World Cup, the World Cup is a, uh, the World Cup's the FIFA feed. Mm. Everybody gets the same feed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
but we are not sending out guys when it's in your own country, that's for sure. Uh, over also in Group C, we Jamaica beat Curacao two nothing. Uh, Romario Williams and Darren Mattox with the goals there. I looked up Romario Williams, and he is in fact named after legendary Brazilian footballer Romario. Oh, okay. uh, I was kind of looking at its age first. I was like, let's see, when was he born? It was like, yeah, August ninety four. I was like, yeah, bet bet it's Romario. And that, yep, it is. Uh, he's on loan from Atlanta to Charleston. Um, doing well there. And now we got a goal here for the Jamaican national team. Um, and I feel like Darren Matnick's goal. That was a real nice one. Real, real nice one. Uh, he's a Portland player, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. He, uh, he sort of sports that... Um, I'm blanking on the name now. Former Arsenal player uh, with the high um, hairline. Gervinho. Oh, Gervinho. Yeah, Gervinho. Gervinho. Yeah, he's sort of... Gervinho, that guy. He's got that hairband going to uh, Maddox. I've seen in some photos. Yeah, it's not quite as dramatic, though. Like, Gervinho legitimately looked like the alien predator. Yeah. I mean, he's just like huge forehead, like dreads. It's it was it was remarkable. <laughs> Wasn't quite as deadly in front of goal though. No, no. Yeah, what does he do now? See, now we're getting into. Know, the... He went. He went to Roma after uh, leaving Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Where is and he was not okay. terrible at Roma. Okay, I terrible. I love this. I type in Gervinho in Google, and the first thing that comes up is Gervinho forehead. <laughs> oh, that's that is what he's known as, like yeah. uh, what he's known for. Uh, he's oh, playing man. in China. There we go, Hebeishina Fortune. Of course, he is. Yeah, still playing for the national team in Ivory Coast too. Hmm. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, side tangent there, but. Um... Good for him, I guess. Uh, El Salvador, they play Curacao on Thursday. And Mexico, they play Jamaica, uh, which is you know going to be their toughest test. But uh, even though Mexico is coming to this tournament with a very inexperienced B side, I still think that they're going to win all three games. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. They're the, they're the CONCACAF Germany. Yeah, still good enough. So... Um, wasn't super impressed with Costa Rica though in their first game. Uh, I mean, because they were painted as one of the prehand favorites along with the U.S. and uh, Mexico. So I would say that Mexico they were the best. Then I would say Costa Rica and then the U.S. as far as the favorites playing their first games. Um, but we'll see how things shape up here as we go further into the tournament. Uh, we'll head over to the Premier League now, and we've had a bunch of transfers go through. Um, Romelu Lukaku is officially a Manchester United player, and Wayne Rooney is officially back at Everton. So they sw- swap places. It's like one of those shows, the wife swaps. <laughs> you know? That is I, not what it's like at all. I, no, I, I love that analogy. I mean, unless we're though. swapping both, unless both, I mean, both teams are just swapping a striker with very bad first touch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, did we ever get a price on Rooney? It was free. Uh, free it was free. Transfer. It was free transfer. Okay, I only saw undisclosed fee, which could be zero. So it was free. 
No, it was it was free. I mean, there might be some kind of like, like, if you know, if Everton, if he ends up being, if he wins the Golden Boot or Everton win a trophy, then they've got to kick back some cash to Man U. But yeah, and the I don't uh, think we have to worry about either of those happening. Yeah, yeah. and the fee for Lukaku maybe a, maybe a trophy because the League Cup does exist, but. The golden boot that yeah we're I'm, I'll pass yeah no that I know, don't think <laughs> hanging that's the banners at Goodison Park that say the League Cup does exist yep I mean I don't get me wrong I think that Rooney going back to Everton is the right move both for him and for Manchester United and for Everton um, you know it's just a matter of where Kuma wants him to play I mean does does he see him as a striker does he see him as a number ten does he see him as a you know out and out central midfielder but uh, once they get that sorted out, I think that you know Rooney's going to have a bit of a bounce back. I hope he does. Yeah, I hope so too. It's been fun the last two days. Just Wayne Rooney Twitter has been great mm-hmm. with all the videos of all the great goals they scored. And and I tweeted today like I'm not even acknowledging Lukaku signing for like a week because I just need a week to say goodbye to Wayne. Okay, well you have to talk about Lukaku signing right now though. We spent so much time on it last week. Hefty, hefty price tag. Yeah, we, we no, just replay what we said last week. <laughs> I, my thoughts haven't changed. Okay, it's a lot of money for a player that Jose Mourinho chose Demba Ba over. Yeah, hopefully he can score some goals that matters. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Lukaku met up with the team in LA and uh, officially unveiled here today. So. Um. Yeah, it's well, he was already in LA. Yeah, yeah, he was on a vacation with with Mr. Pogba. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's funny how they all have the same agent too. Rayola, oh, yeah, real funny and not a coincidence at all. No, not at all. I mean, Rayola, he's just he's got to be so rich at this point. He's taking in so much money. Former, uh, I think he used to uh, be a pizza baker at one point back in Italy. <laughs> Mino Raiola. Yeah. Also the agent of Slatan Ibrahimovic. So uh, there you have it. Um, yeah. Elliot, since you don't have such a strong connection to uh, Wayne Rooney as me and Polly, what do you think is going to happen here going forward? Do you mean with Everton and Rooney? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Everton actually making a couple of moves here. They're bringing in some, you know, pretty decent players. And I think, I mean, what do you think his role is going to be in this team? Because I mean, Kuman spoke about, you know, how he's going to be a role model for basically everyone. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, how could he not? Right, like he's a player who grew up loving the club. Um, I mean, I think that. You know, I've liked to take some digs at Rooney's expense over the years, many of them about hair plugs, others of them not. But, you know, he's a player I've always had a lot of respect for, and I think that this is a mutually beneficial move that speaks to his class. And he will be precisely the kind of player at Everton that I think Arsenal for years, and to some extent still, have been begging for. Is just like, you know the guy with a lot of experience who is going to not take any shit from anyone and is willing to get stuck in and will also change games. You know, I mean, he's certainly not the player he once was, 
right? But nonetheless, I mean, I think this is a fantastic move for both teams. Will it spur Everton on to do even so much as, if not more, than lift the League Cup? I don't know, but, I mean, you can't... No one can say that Everton aren't a stronger squad, certainly in terms of the locker room, probably also on the pitch with Wayne Rooney than without him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, <sighs> then the player I, that he once was. Yeah. Then I want to get your two cents on uh, Arsenal signing Alexandre Lacassette, since you weren't here for for that discussion. Yeah, I mean, I, I the player who can't get a game in France because Olivier Giroud is there. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I I understand that, but I also think that. I mean, I, I'm. I'm very happy that Arsenal signed him. I will be very unhappy if he is the last signing that we make. Um, I'll be less frustrated by that if we don't let Alexis leave, which we shouldn't. I mean, I, I think these all all these conversations are intertwined, right? Like, Lacazette has a very impressive scoring record. It's, you know, it's not significantly more remarkable really at all than Giroud's scoring record was in Ligue 1 before he joined Arsenal. Uh, I think that there's a chance that maybe Lacazette's difference in playing style will end up ultimately suiting the Gunners' setup better. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a signing that I'm really happy to see us make. It doesn't mean I think our summer transfer business is done, but it means that at least I'm not going into August without anything happening, mm-hmm. you know, like the Suarez saga. Yeah. And so it's it, it's it's a good signing. If Alexis Lee, I mean, to me, to me, the conversation about Alexander Lacazette is good. I'm glad we got him. You know, as Pauly said, he's been kept out of the France team by Giroud. Like that's, you know, that, that that's a salient point to make. I will, you know, I'll, I'll pass my judgment fully once he's on the pitch. But to me, in terms of transfer talk, the far more poignant conversation is what happens with Alexis Sanchez. I think the answer to that has to be Arsenal keep him no matter what. And then if, you know, if we're top of table in December, maybe he signs a new contract. Though, of course, we've been top of the table in December before and totally collapsed down the stretch in the season. And it's not to say that wouldn't happen this year. But, right, like, if you're saying we're investing in the squad, keep investing in the squad, don't let him go anywhere. If that investment pays off and he's willing to put pen to paper in December, great. If you know what, that is not the case, you know, I, on either end, and you have to sell him in January for 10 million less, 15 million less than you would have, fine. Because you can't sell him to City anyway. You got to sell him abroad. Munich can't afford him at the price Arsenal have set. So if you have to take a cut rate to sell him abroad and you get him for half the season, great. Fantastic. Do that. But that to me is the most important and I think still kind of the most intriguingly unresolved question for Arsenal's transfer business. So Lacazette, great, awesome. Let's move on and not just say that, oh, okay, now everything's fine because we signed one striker. No, Mm. there's more work to be done, even if the squad doesn't change. And then if Alexis leaves, which he shouldn't, then there will be yet more work to be done. Yeah. And then latest reports out of Chelsea, uh, Diego Costa, it seems to be on his way out. Um, apparently, Conte is done with him, and um, he was not there for the start of preseason. Uh, 
Um, you know, it's been rumored that he's going back to Atletico Madrid, which is, you know, a little bit uh, weird since Atletico, they have a transfer ban, so they can't register anybody until January. So that could be a little bit of an obstacle, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, they did, however, sign uh, Antonio Rudiger, the German defender who played really well for Germany in the Confederations Cup. And uh, he's not part of preseason quite yet. Uh, he's uh, being granted a little additional holiday rest after playing in the Confederations Cup. Um, he signed from Roma, five-year deal. Uh, yesterday, that was announced. Um, the fee could be as high as 34 million pounds for him. But um, could be a really good investment there. And, I mean, Chelsea were already good defensively last season. So getting Rudiger in could make them even better. Uh, Pauly, you're going to give your two cents on West Ham here. Uh, they've been uh, chasing some uh, offensive firepower. And uh, they've made inquiries on Chicharito, Kelechi Anacho, uh, Giroud, Bacuay, uh, Anthony Modeste from Cologne. And now the latest thing is that they had a 15 million dollar or 50 million pound offer for Marco Arnautovic rejected by Stoke. Why would all right, like those were some good names there? Then why would you throw in Marco Arnautovic? Hey, beats me. I don't know. Go after Chicharito, even though he's not exactly great. You know, he, he could put the ball in the net. Uh, he can't do much else. Well, I mean, that's what they need, though. They just need someone who can right. score. so go after him. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to leave Leverkusen. I don't, you know, like, that's a, that's a, he's got a good gig. Cushy gig. Cushy. I don't know, Leverkusen, they struggled last season, though. I feel like, uh... It would be, uh, well, I, I don't know. Where would you rather play, West Ham or Leverkusen? Um, I think I would still take West Ham. Well, I mean, players, players want to go to England, but I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you get to live in London. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd, I don't know. I haven't spent any time in Leverkusen, but I think I'd probably still prefer London. Well, uh, let's give our final thoughts real quick before we sign off. Uh, Paulie, you can start. No, I'm, I'm going to finish. Are you going to finish? Okay. Then, Elliot, then you get to start. Ooh, I get to start. Yeah. Um, okay, well, one, you know, we've talked about how we feel about Guzan being selected when there are younger keepers riding the pine. We've talked about the atrocious U.S. defending up and down the pitch. Uh, but, I mean, one, one you know, positives to take from this game that yeah you know okay the u.s allowed too many chances to be created in defense but also i mean you can't we're not going to say dom dwyer is undroppable after scoring in his first two games right and we're also not going to say that kevin Rao is like going to be always the first name on the team sheet out wide but he is certainly wearing, you know, Nagby's old number, in fact, going to press Darlington Nagby for a place on this team if he continues to perform as he did. And well, I don't think that any player played perfectly 
in this match. If anyone came close, it was, in fact, Brad Guzan. But, I mean, I, we've got to be pretty happy with how both of those two performed. I mean, Rose's setup for the goal was some of the best wide play, obviously just a few moments of it, but some of the best wide play I've seen from any player in the Stars and Stripes. So, you know, it's frustrating to drop points, whatever, it's the Gold Cup. But, you know, I wanted to at least end with a little sugar to the salt that we've been throwing on the U.S. after dropping points in the first Gold Cup match. Mm, there we go. Yeah, my final thought is about the uh, International Champions Cup. Uh, the uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a preseason tournament. It's a very gimmicky thing, and I think it's a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say disgusting, but... <laughs> the the way the can. way that they're portraying the upcoming uh, Manchester Derby in Houston, making this out to be some big big game. I mean, it's a preseason game. It means absolutely nothing. Nothing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to get all these teams over here to the U.S. I, you know, I had a chance to watch Barcelona play Manchester United at Levi Stadium. That was awesome. But don't try to make it into something it's not. It's a preseason tour. Take it for what it is. And that's my two cents on that. Polly, give it to us. I, I actually had nothing but literally right after we threw it over to Elliot. I came across this meme that just says, a meme, okay. you, know your, you know your child is over when you see. Madrid without Raul and Casillas, United without Rooney, Chelsea without Drogba, Terry, and Lampard, and Barca without Puyo, Xavi, and Valdez. Oh. My child is over. Aw. Well, yeah. you know what you should do then? Well, this is a little bit before your time. Buy a but, house? But there's, <laughs> there's a, a, an excellent it. game called Championship Manager, and <laughs> you can get the... 2001 2002 version of this game for free and it is a uh, awesome awesome trip down memory lane i said this a couple years ago i was i think it was like last year i was looking through like the rosters for like euro 2004 and like the, tw- the 2006 world cup and i was just like i want to play fifa 15 but with the 2006 rosters <laughs> Oh, okay. If we're talking FIFA, Road to World Cup '98 on PlayStation One. Alright, that is that's made, the best game. That's the best we've game. We've made better games since then. So. No, that's the best one. That's when you first could curl your free kicks. Oof, it was so good. I think Blur yeah, saw. I, I think. I think. Now you can like curl it like really well. <laughs> I, I think Blur Blur Song Two might have been the the theme. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Man, that was a good game. Oh, so, so good. So, so good. David, I want to say Beckham was on the, the cover, too. Um, with that, though, Probably we'll... because you could curl free kicks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with that, we'll say goodbye. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norin, Polly's Picostal, WFAN, and Elliot is Keats was better. Be sure to give FanRack Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again later in the week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.
Köln.